This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 1st, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Three provisions of the Patriot Act governing warrantless surveillance of American communications expired overnight, but the fight over suspicionless domestic spying is far from over. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. He comments. So the extraordinary Sunday session of the United States Senate did not produce a resolution on the three expiring provisions of the Patriot Act. So at midnight of May 31st, 2015, they did in fact expire. And these are, of course, the telephone metadata program, which is a big controversial one. And the uh, roving wiretap program, also controversial, but perhaps more justifiable. And then finally, the lone wolf provision, which hasn't been used one time in 14 years. And people like Den- Diane Feinstein say that this is these are all important provisions of the Patriot Act. Yeah, what's really kind of amazing and has been so for so very long with this entire debate is that all the evidence has uh, basically shown us that these programs have never worked in 14 years. And on May 21st, the Department of Justice Inspector General Office re- released a report that covered the period from 2007 to 2009 on this Section 215 program, which is broader than just the metadata. I mean, this encumbers your medical records and other kinds of business and financial records. So it's actually quite sweeping. And they could not, when they talked to FBI agents, they could not uh, connect a single terrorist plot disrupted or detected to any of this stuff. So you have members of the United States Senate going to the floor one after another saying it's a vital program when the Department of Justice Inspector General has basically said, no, it's kind of a useless program. Mitch McConnell is trying to come up with some sort of uh, compromise here. What, where is that and, and what does that look like? Well, what, what the majority leader would prefer to have done is actually extend these authorities essentially forever, unchanged. And uh, over the Memorial Day recess, when the Senate was in session, they wound up basically crashing and burning uh, when they found out that they didn't have the votes to do that. Um, the only thing that even got close to a supermajority of support in Senate was, in fact, the existing version of the USA Freedom Act, which, of course, passed the House in May of 2015 by a vote of 338 to 88. And so I think a lot of people have been criticizing McConnell, and I think very justifiably, for claiming that this is vital and then turning around and leaving town for a week, only to come back to try to deal with it again. So the week of June 1st here, in the United States Senate, they're going to try to tack on some amendments to USA Freedom Act, some of which would only perhaps make it a little bit weaker, some of which would truly gut it in its entirety. And then we'll have to see whether or not that actually goes back to the House of Representatives for round two. Presumably, USA Freedom would uh, smooth out uh, some of these these expiring provisions and maybe restore some of what a majority of senators would agree are actually useful. I I think the problem in trying to make any argument that any of these Section 215 activities have been useful is that it's not just the Department of Justice Inspector General that said they're they're useless. The president's own hand-picked review group on surveillance technologies and communications found them useless a year and a half ago. The Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board also could not find no connection between the use of this program and the disruption of terrorist plots. The Senate Judiciary Committee found exactly the same thing when they conducted a public hearing on it. So when you look at that, you really just have to, I think, draw the conclusion that you've got a lot of senators out there, most of them on the conservative side of the spectrum, 
that I think are supporting this for the sake of supporting it and saying that, you know, they're, they're doing everything imaginable to try to protect the United States against, uh, you know, potential or alleged ISIS plots, uh, even though the programs themselves are worthless. As our colleague Julian Sanchez has pointed out, the reporting on this has been terrible. Um, <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, the President Obama has said that we'll be, we'll be blind yeah. If uh, if these provisions expire, and and these are this is a tiny portion of the Patriot Act. Well, and the president has shown that he's just as willing as a neocon to demagogue on this, right? So, in his weekly radio address uh, the day before the Senate's Sunday session, he was basically saying that you know ISIL is not going to wait, and so on and so forth. Well, neither are we. We're collecting their trying to collect their communications every single day using authorities actually other than the ones that we're discussing here. And I should point out that there's no reform proposal that's even remotely being considered right now that would actually end those capabilities, although there are those who would argue uh, that those capabilities should be seriously reexamined, which is something Congress has not done at all. And it's worth pointing out that specific 215 proposals, uh, if you ask Jim Sensenbrenner uh, the way that they were used by the NSA were not at all how uh, they were written or Congress uh, intended them to be used. Well, that, you know, I had a friend uh, who used to work on the House Veterans Affairs Committee who loved to make the point that in Congress, you know, we don't use a chisel, we use a sledgehammer when we legislate. And I think the problem that Mr. Sensenbrenner got himself into is that he thought when he went back in 2006 and changed the wording of the Patriot Act to say that anything they collected had to be, quote, relevant to, end quote, an investigation. He had a particular uh, uh, worldview in mind about what relevant meant. And government lawyers chose to have their own worldview about what relevant meant. And Mr. Sensenbrenner intended it to be more narrow, and the government chose to interpret it as broadly as you possibly could. And I think that's a concern that we should have about any legislation that's moving through Congress right now on this topic is that if we can count on anything, we can count on government lawyers to basically play word games and try to find any way they can to push the boundaries of what they can do with these authorities. And in particular, with a case where you're talking about national security uh, agencies broadly, um, they are secretive. They, they should be secretive in, in terms of uh, what they're actually gathering and, and who they're targeting. But the, the processes that they use and their communications with Congress should be pretty clear. They should be. Um, but as we have seen over the course of the last 14 years, uh, they very seldom are. And that's why I don't think that this controversy is going to go away anytime soon. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org. 